Welcome to Define You Radio, the place to be for real talk and real tips to help you define your personal and professional life. Class is in session with your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Pens and papers ready. Class is now in session. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 2018 season of Define You Radio. I am your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Define You Radio is the place to get the life lessons, strategies, and more to help you define your life. Make sure you are subscribed and connected to all things Define You, including Define You Movement. You can find out more at defineuradio.com. March is the month of unapologetic living, maybe because that's when I had giving birth to my son, which made me an unapologetic parent, but that's what we're talking about all month long of March. So with that being said, class is in session tonight with a great guest. Her name is Latera Y. Latera is the hard work strategist. So we're going to find out a little bit more about that also. She teaches women who have survived traumatic experiences how to unmask their past, overcome their pain, and live lives of abundance, free of guilt, shame, and fear by owning their truth. So let's go ahead and get class started and welcome Ms. Latera to the show. Latera, how are you doing tonight? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. And recently I got the pleasure of being on your podcast, Woman Unmasked. It's a very interesting dynamic. It's like, okay, you have to remind yourself, okay, I'm not the host, I'm the guest, (laughs) you know. So um, tell, tell us a little bit about your podcast for the people that don't know. So tell them a little bit about Woman Unmasked. Sure. So the Woman Unmasked podcast is my baby. Um, It came from, uh, you know, God kind of rebranding me. Um, He gave me Woman Unmasked and said, you know, I need you to be the face of truth. I don't need you to be the pretty picture that everybody puts up. I need you to be the truth behind the mask. And so Woman Unmasked is my opportunity to share stories of women who, um, like you said, like the theme of this month, which I love so much, women who are living unapologetically and owning all of who they are. So that's what Woman Unmasked is. It's the opportunity for women to share what allowed them to get from behind the mask, what allowed them to truly own all of who they are and then sharing those lessons to help others do the same. Mm -hmm. Do you think women have a problem with, hey, this is me, accept it or not? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Because there are so many women who are in the media who are demonized for being who they are. Um, You know, one that comes to mind who is like an extreme example is Amber Rose, but, (laughs) you know, she owns her sexuality and her femininity in a way that makes people uncomfortable. So I think when women tend to own who they are, tend to own their power and tend to own um, their truth without feeling like they owe anybody any explanations for being who they are, 
people tend to get uh, nervous and our society tends to be offended by that, but our society can't grow and progress if women are stuck behind that mask because women are powerful and we do have the power to shift atmospheres and to make change that, you know, men just can't do. Mm. That is, that's so true. And honestly, I never thought about Amber Rose in like that way, like she's owning her power. And, you know, just to be honest, I probably was like every, not everybody else, but most people was like, oh, my goodness, what is she doing? What's wrong, you know, what's wrong with her and everything else just because maybe it's the Southern in me or whatever, I don't know, but just because as women we adopt this women should be this way type mm-hmm. philosophy um, from the, we adopt it from the world and it, and you know, women shouldn't be this way. You shouldn't dress this way or act this way and everything else. And you don't know whether it's a prison or whether this is how it's supposed to be. And yeah. when you see someone step outside that normal that we, you know, that we really mm-hmm. kind of look at as normal. like, oh, my gosh, she is just out there. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be that. It, even women um, who choose to live a modest lifestyle, who uh, are not overtly sexual and things, you know, our society tends to judge those women just as harshly as they judge women who own their femininity. So, you know, we're constantly told by the images in the media and by the um, – you know, societal norms and movies and magazines and everything, we're told that we're supposed to be a certain way and we're supposed to act a certain way. And, you know, like you said, when people go outside of that norm, we don't know how to handle it as a society. Mm. As I get older, I get a little bit more prudish because I could <laughs> honestly say, and if anyone has known me when I was in my teens and 20s, I would be mm. the first to say it was, I had it like sexual. My sexiness, quote-unquote, was power. I was showing Mm -hmm. the legs. I was showing this, you know. Um, And, you know, as I get older, I've just maybe my idea of sexy versus, you know, different things is, you know, as you get older, it changes. And it's funny because I'll look at young ladies and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she needs to cover up. And I have to remind myself, at her age, I was doing the same thing. Mhm. Absolutely. I can. I can Probably so relate to that. Yes. Yes. Honey, the shorter I could get my skirt, but I remember. I remember with like my my freshman year in college, I I had this this outfit, and like looking back at it now, I was like, I went to school dressed like a stripper. It was like this pink, glittery tube top with this super super short. Uh, jean skirt and the, and and to top it off, I had clear heels on. <laughs> I was like, "What was I thinking?" Like, <laughs> but I think it's a part of the growth and maturity process. You know, you go through those phases, and you think that that is your, you know, all of your power. Um, mm-hmm. Especially for me, coming from a place where I experienced. Um, sexual abuse and, you know, I would have classmates and things who just would run up and just grab grab my behind and things like that. So 
feeling like that power was stripped in that way, during my teens, I kind of felt like, okay, if if I'm overtly sexual and I'm just I'm going to take my power back in that way. But like you said, um, as I got older and matured beyond that, I realized that you know my power is is so much more than just my body and my sexuality, it's my brain, it's my ability to change lives, it's my ability to contribute to society in a meaningful way. So I think, you know, it's, it's a process for people to get to that place, and, and it, comes with, it comes with age. I, I, de- I definitely agree with that. I would go one further and say it comes with maturity because yeah. I know women my age that dress how I used to at 20, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, and why? But, you know, <laughs> to, to, each, to each his own. It's, um, I think some of that is, I don't know, like even partying now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, you, I partied so hard in, in my teens and 20s. I'm partied out. Like yeah. I'm, I'm done. Like I want to put on my socks, get some coffee, and just rest at like nine o'clock, you know, um, it's like, I, what else is there to do? I've done it. Partying yeah. and going straight to work from the club. I've done it. So <laughs> I'm not advising anybody to do that, but my, no, my 20s, no. that was a lot of sleepless, um, sleepless time. And, you know, me and my son, who's 20 now was talking about, about that, and he's completely opposite of me, thank God. But, oh, um, and I was yeah. like, Mama used to come straight from the club, change clothes, and go to work. And I'm, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I, um, you know, my my wild phase, I say all the time, at 16, when 16 hit, I lost my mind for like three years. Uh-huh. And just, and, you know, kind of just went crazy and, um, I met my husband, well, he's my husband now, but we met when I was, um, we met when I was 19, we met in August of, uh, 2002, and I was pregnant with our daughter by, by November of 2002, so, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that, that was the kind of life I was living, you know, when we got together, neither of us was looking for a relationship, um, right. but God had a different plan, so, yeah. So my 20s were spent being a mother, and I, I say that my daughter kind of saved me because, um, like, she stopped everything. My whole life and everything became about her and being the best that I could be for her. So it completely changed me. So those those three wild years where I, I was drinking until I blacked out and, you know, like you said, go go from the party to – work and things like that, all of that. I did all of that, but, you know, I got it out of my system early, and right. thank God, you know, he was there to, to course correct, and, you know, he sent me my, he sent me my angel to, to save me from myself because I was headed for destruction. Yeah, I, I completely understand, and kids, um, for most people, for most people, children and um, becoming a wife, it changes you for the better because you have somebody else to think about besides you, which, you know, when you, you know, 16, 17, 18, whatever, partying, it's just 
me against the world. Now it's like, hold mm-hmm. up, it can't be me against the world because now I have a, a a child and I have a husband. So you had a daughter, and do you have other kids or you still just have the daughter? I do. Now we have four children uh, together. Our, our daughter is now uh, 14. Our oldest son is 11, and then we have twin boys who are eight. Twins? Yes. Did that, like, just rock your world? Absolutely. <laughs> First of all, because I wasn't expected to be pregnant at all. So, um, you know, when I, found, when I realized I was pregnant and went to the doctor, um, I, before I even went to the doctor, I was like, you know what, it's probably going to be twins. And when I got there, the doctor, you know, he, he joked, he was my doctor with all of my kids, so he joked, he's like, well, he used to always joke around about twins. And this time he said, well, how do you feel about two? And I popped up on the table like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, look right here. So, you know, it, 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 was, a, it was a big adjustment um, going from a family of, of four to a family of six <laughs> with one pregnancy, but it's been a fun adventure. I could imagine, and twin boys, and maybe I'm partial because, you know, I have a son, but mm. to me, boys are just like, yes. It's like yes. smooth sailing, yes. you know. Um, so that's my, anybody that has listened to my show for any period of time know I'm kind of partial to boys because, <laughs> you know, I have a son, and I have I have nephews, and I have nieces. Nephews, mm-hmm. um, I love them. I know how to interact with boys. You know, you give them a game or whatever, they're good. Girls want you yes. to entertain them. Yes. They yes, want to be entertained. They want to play makeup and mm-hmm. can I put on your shoes and, like, <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just my nieces like to be no. entertained. No, it's all girls. Like, my daughter is so much different than my son's um she is uh, she yeah i don't even know how to explain this <laughs> it's just so different but she but she is truly my child um yeah my mother you know my mother when my sister and i were teens she's like you know what when you have children i hope you have daughters so that you can see what you put me through and of course my first child was a girl. My sister's only child is a girl. And when I tell you that they are our clones, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Did you go back and apologize to your mom? You know, I, I don't think I have, but I feel like I should when we're done with this interview. <laughs> yeah, because that's, uh, that's the only way you understand it's like, you know, and I'm pretty sure you said this to to your uh, daughter because um, I've said it to my son, and it's funny because you never, I never thought I would say this, but I tell him, wait till you have kids, and you're gonna see everything that I yeah. go through, and you put me through, and everything else. And um, but the thing is, that was said to me, and mm-hmm. of course, I would always say, oh, I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do that, and. You know, and, of course, my son says the same thing. And I told him I'm going to purposely go out of my way whenever I have grandkids. I'm going to go out of my way to be that grandmother that just makes them extra rotten, drops them off, and keep going. Mm. Payback. I'm living, yeah. I'm living for, for payback. So yeah. 
for children and your purpose. How do you, how do you make it work? Because a lot of times with women, we have a problem with, you know, that balancing family and, and living our purpose. How do you balance it? Uh, well, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I've, I've learned it. Uh, it took a long time to learn, but it's, it's a lesson that I think we as mothers definitely need to learn, that there is no such thing as balance. There are some days where your children will take precedence. They'll have, they'll have projects or somebody will have an emotional day, and that becomes your focus for that day. And then there are some days when you just have to push through and get some business stuff done. And on those days, you might have cereal for every meal, and everybody's okay with that. <laughs> so you just have to learn to be okay with whatever comes in your life, uh, understanding that you give time where you can, and everybody is going to be okay if, some, if everything doesn't get done, if you don't get that load of laundry done right this minute. It's going to be okay. And my children understand that. My husband uh, has a business as well. He is a videographer and a photographer. So our children kind of have grown up understanding that there will be some sacrifices that we have to make, but we always, always make sure that they are, are a priority for us. And if they need us, then everything else shuts down. That's a, I, I love that you said, said that. That's a great way to look at it because a lot of time you, and you, you hear, you see it a lot, women are, you know, and I say women because that's what I see mostly, um, mm-hmm. looking for balance, you know, um, life-work balance. And a, what I find is a lot of small business owners, women walking in their purpose, entrepreneurs, which y'all know I cannot say that word, um, <laughs> But a lot of them are, are happen to be single mm-hmm. mothers. A lot of them that I know happen to be single mothers um, and will say, I don't have time today. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to, to do that. And they're running themselves in circles. But honestly, I believe being, uh, being married, being with, with my husband and having my son makes everything else worth it. Mhm. Yes. They definitely definitely give you a reason to push through and do what you have to do. We are living to create a legacy for our children's children's children. So, you know, we can't stop even in those days when we feel like it's too much and, you know, nobody is really receiving what I'm doing. You still have to keep yeah. going because the purpose that the purpose that God placed in you is not just about you. It's about everyone who is attached to you. It's about your family who will be impacted by that. It's about the legacy that you leave for your for your children. And it's also about the lives that you are meant to touch. So if you give up, then who's going to be that light for them? Mm-hmm. And it's um, partially building, building a life also. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, you want to, you know, build your legacy and, you know, change the world around you, but it's also a growing process for me and building building a life um, yeah. for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the better Valencia is, the better I am for everybody else. And um, my husband, he, he, he's not a – he doesn't own his own business. He, he works. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times some of the conversations I have – with mm-hmm. him, like I know what I'm saying to him, and his eyes kind of glaze over. 
But sometimes he'll tell me about stuff at work, and my eyes will glaze over too, but we find mm-hmm. a way to meet in the middle. Um, yeah. do, do you guys do a, a date night to keep y'all marriage on fire and the relationship fresh? Do you guys try to incorporate some husband-wife time? We do. Now, we don't get, um, you know, like some people I know are able to do a date night every week. Um, that's not just, that's not a luxury. What? Have. Now, people have that kind of time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I. but our our children are getting to an age where um, our daughter is going to be able to, to babysit our brother and she's wanting to start a babysitting business. So things like that. Our yeah. kids are getting older, so... Um, we we do definitely make time for each other. We may not be able to go out as often as we'd like, but we make time to just at the end of the day maybe sit and watch a movie together or, um, you know, just go out for a little appetizer or something, something to just be able to connect with each other. And we talk throughout the day all the time. Um, and, you know, we we both are building businesses on the side, but we also have full-time jobs, so uh, we may take a lunch break together. Just any anything where we can sneak in a moment of time. It doesn't have to be like hours and hours or a weekend getaway. Yeah. It may just be an hour. It may just be a 15-minute call, but to just check in with each other and re- be a reminder that I'm here to support you and I love you and I'm glad to have you in my life. Just those small things keep a marriage keep a marriage fresh and strong. Say that. <laughs> people, you know, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea that it has to be some miraculously planned, scheduled out, yeah. regular oh. thing, which is fantastic if you have that kind of time. Um, but it's it's those unpredictable things, I think, because um, we'll plan to – We'll put Netflix on or, or, or something on TV mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, we finally could kind of slow down and watch a movie together. And 15 minutes later, I'm asleep. Because <laughs> if I get in, you know, when you get in that comfortable spot yeah. and I wake up and I say, wait a minute, what I miss? Can you rewind it? You know, so that's usually how our movie nights go when we do them in the house. But <laughs> It is those small things, those leaving notes, those, hey, I'm texting you, what you doing, you know, um, that builds a strong relationship and keeps it, you know, fresh and those things. Like everything doesn't have to be, you know, okay, every Friday at 7 p.m. we're going to the movies mm-hmm. and going to eat. You know, it's yeah. just those random acts of kindness, putting a note in a lunchbox or Definitely. My husband, like one of the one of the sweetest things <laughs> that my husband would do for me um, when I was pregnant with our daughter, like I craved M and M's, so he'd just randomly bring me M and M's, and and um, like I remember talking to him about like my favorite childhood candy. I don't even remember when we had the conversation, but one night he brought a bag of it home, and I was like, "Oh, you remember?" Like. Little things that lets me know that you're you're listening to me when I'm talking, even if it's something that's not majorly important. But to know that he listens and he cares about even the little things that make me smile. That's Aww. what keeps our marriage. That's what keeps our marriage together. And you know, we're we'll be celebrating our 10 year anniversary um, next month. But we've been together for almost 16 years, so it wow. uh, it, it still it still isn't old. <laughs> You're still in that honeymoon phase. 
Yeah, so 16 yay. years later. <laughs> H- happy early uh, anniversary. Thank you. So, yay. So now we didn't, we didn't, we've done the relationship portion of Define You Radio. Every woman, married and unmarried and man, should have been taking notes during that part. It's real life. This, don't believe yes. the statistics and what you see on social media. There are people that are uh, happily married and still able to unapologetically live in their purpose and, and be happily with somebody. So I just want to throw those two cents out there. Yes. So a heart work strategist, tell, tell me a little bit about that. All right. So Proverbs. Four and 23 uh, tells us to guard our hearts above all else because everything we do flows from our heart. So if your heart is broken and if your heart is damaged and if you're holding on to um, hate or guilt or fear or shame, all of those things from your past, if you're holding those things in your heart, then you can't really move forward in your life until you deal with that. So as a heart work strategist, we create a plan to help you look at the lessons of your past, not necessarily go back and dive into, oh, they did this to me and I just don't know what to do. No, we're going to look at what your experience has taught you and how can we use that to move forward and build the life that you want. I, I love that because I think a lot of times we don't realize how much our past has to do with our present. And it, it, yeah. everything is a learning experience. Even if it was something horribly bad, mm-hmm. if, you, if you really do, do the work, you'll find some lesson, some lesson in it. As you're talking to the women that have had these traumatic experiences, do you think some people are comfortable holding on to that versus letting it go? Definitely. Um, because holding on, the pain is familiar. Like when you've been, when you've been through um, a painful experience, whether it be an abusive relationship or um, having been assaulted sexually or emotionally abused or any of those things, or it could be something, you know, trauma doesn't necessarily have to be something that's, that's major. It, if it's something that affects the way that you show up in your life, then that is a traumatic experience for you. So even for teens who were bullied for maybe their weight and they carry that with them, all of those things kind of play into, into your, to your future and your existence. So um, there are some people who get comfortable with that and hold on to it because it's been a part of them for so long. I was one of those people. I was like, you know what, this pain is so deep in me that I don't even think God can take it away, so I'm just going to live with it. Um, But holding it in only poisons you from the inside out. You know, if you're living from a place of brokenness and you're, you're attached to that pain and you let it become a part of you, then you damage everything that you touch until you are able to heal that. And so, you know, you, it takes a certain amount of discomfort to move on. Um, and everybody's not ready for that. Because some people like to play the victim. And I, yes. hate to, I hate to say that. I really hate to say that. But 
But it's true. It 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 is. I have I've seen it. You know, um, and honestly, I have been that person that it was easier for me to say what everybody else did to me. Like yeah. it, it was okay. Like this, this is why I'm angry, and this is why I'm do that. Cause why I did that? Cause this person did this, and this person did this. Okay, it was easier for me to play the victim, but what I didn't realize, I was victimizing myself at that point. Yes, yes, um, and that's one of the things that I talk about as well. You know, people, you gain something by being a victim. People who choose to stay in that place of pain, they're gaining something that's feeding their ego or it's feeding a need in them. So playing the victim allows them to get that sympathy or it allows them to get, it allows them to excuse themselves from living their lives to their fullest potential because this person hurt me and that person hurt me so I can't let anybody get in and I can't connect with anybody. Even if it's a person who may take me to the next point in my destiny, I can't connect with them because I've been hurt by these people. So people who live like that use that as an excuse to not be who they are called to be. Um, and, you know, people gain something. You don't stay in a place of, you don't stay in any situation if you're not gaining something from it. Mm. So, you know, you have to look at what am I gaining from being a victim versus what do I gain when I let it go and move on. And until you realize that what you gain by moving on is greater than what you gain by holding on, then you'll you'll be content staying in that place of of being the victim. Now, what if, because I have, like, honestly, I have particular people in, in my mind right now mm-hmm. that I know can be great, and I know they could do, like, ridiculously great things, mm-hmm. but they're so comfortable with playing the victim. Mm-hmm. So... Like, what, what, <laughs> you know, like, it, it makes me angry. Like, when you see yes. greatness in somebody, but it's covered by yeah. the the need that I honestly think the need some people have for attention. So, I mean, being mm-hmm. a victim gets you attention. It does, yes. But it doesn't um. get you any closer to your purpose. And quite frankly, it, it frustrates me and makes me not want to deal with people like that, and I know that's not right. So what advice would you give me? And but instead there, of getting it shaken, giving them shaking baby syndrome, like, nobody, you know, <laughs> okay. Get okay. Okay. <laughs> so one thing you have to realize is that as much as we can want somebody to change and as much as we see the potential in them, nothing's going to change in their lives until they see it for themselves. Mm. So sometimes the only thing that you can do for a person is to pray for them them and be there as much as you can. But when being there for them starts taking something from you, Mm. then you have to pull away and you have to realize that they have their own journey that they have to travel. And, as much as we would like to just grab them and, like you said, shake them and, like, you know, I just need you to get it <laughs> until they walk that journey that, that is the path that's laid out for them, until they get to that place for themselves, then they'll never change. And so you can't let it drain you 
as a friend or even as a family member, you can't let it drain you. You can't let their problems become your burden because it will hinder you from doing what you're called to do and it will mm. keep you it'll, it'll keep you from being who God created you to be because you'll be so caught up in, in all of their drama that it takes pieces away from you. It takes your energy and you can't operate from that place. So sometimes the best thing to do is let go. Let go and pray I, and give it to God. I just need a I almost need a moment of silence after that one. Because <laughs> uh, it's, you know, there's a certain a certain sense of guilt. Yes. That you have when you get free, right? You get mm-hmm. free. And, of course, you want those that you love and care about to get free too. Yes. And there is a certain sense of guilt when... Mm-hmm. You're free, quote unquote, and that person's not free, and you know you gotta like stop. I don't want to say dealing with this person, but you have to limit your contact with this person because it does stop you. There, yes. have you have you experienced that in in your life? Like when you came to this place of purpose and and free and loving you and life, and you know people. Other people weren't that way, and you had to, like, look, I can't spend that much time with you. Did you experience that guilt? Uh, so I'm an introvert by nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really have a lot of a lot of friends, but I do um, have siblings who are so brilliant, and they can't see it the way that I can see it. And... Um, being the oldest, I feel like it's my burden to carry them and to make sure that they're okay because that's my job as their big sister. Um, and, you know, there are some things that I carry guilt for because I, I my sister, uh, I was the first person that she smoked weed with. Um, you know, when I was young and dumb and didn't know any better than to introduce my sister to, to that life, Mm-hmm. And so I I carry a burden because I, I, I felt like I set her on a path to be less than who God called her to be. Um, Understood. So I definitely understand carrying that guilt, and I've had many conversations with her and apologized to her for that, for planting that seed in her life. And so we talk and, you know, I we have a relationship and I pray for her and um, I pray for my other siblings who go through their own personal issues and I, I feel I have felt the burden for her because I wasn't always around because I was in my own mess. Um, but part of getting to be who your call to be and part of getting to that purpose and part of doing that hard work is understanding that you have to forgive yourself for the people that you hurt because, you know, when you're living your life recklessly, you will hurt people. And that guilt doesn't just go away by, by itself. You know, you have, to, you have to give it to God and you have to make a faith exchange. You have to, for those you can apologize to, apologize to them and they may not accept it, that's their right, 
to accept it or not, but you have to to extend that apology um, for them and for yourself. You you have to forgive yourself as well because the decisions that you make when you're when you're living from that place of brokenness aren't the same decisions you make when you get free. And so you have to forgive that person who made those bad decisions in order to move on and be totally free. Hashtag amen. On like so many, so many levels, um, I'm an older sister, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I can relate to everything you just said. Mm-hmm. And um, being being the oldest, it's a it's a blessing and a curse, I would say. Yes. Um, because you do carry a certain amount of guilt, mm-hmm. e- even though you know you're not the parent. You're yes. the old, just the older sibling, uh, and there is a certain amount of guilt, especially if your life your life goes left. Um, their life goes left and yours yours go right. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's a constant um, me having to forgive myself and me, that's just me being 100. I have to remind myself that I am not responsible for my sister being who she's supposed to be mm-hmm. in life. I can speak life to her. Um, I've apologized for some things. Um, we've talked. But, the, but at the end of the day, I will no longer feel guilty and I won't allow her to make me feel guilty because mm-hmm. I'm a child too. Yeah. And I'm saying that, to... that, mm-hmm. that, that my sister never made me feel guilty. Mm-hmm. She never blamed me for that. So the burden that I was carrying was a weight that I put on myself. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that she felt like well, you did this to me, and so now, um, you know, I could have gone down a different path. But, you know, even even now she's, um, you know, she's got her daughter and she's building her life, and and her life is good. It, I, even though I still see the potential there for more greatness in her, and she's getting to that place. So, so I'm thankful that even setting her down the wrong path um, she never blamed me for that. Yeah. And we're, at the end of the day, we're all a work in, in progress. Um, and that's the one thing we all have to remember is that we, we are a work in progress. Yeah. And, and the, the key word here is progress. <laughs> that means <Yeah>. going <laughs> forward. Yeah. So, um, how we this has been such a great conversation. Um that's really, you know, like you hit on so many so many points tonight and I'm glad that we were able to discuss those things about doing the the hard work and forgiving ourselves and being who we are, whether that yeah. is embracing your sexuality or embracing your prudeness. <laughs> however you want to do it. So I know you have a project coming up and out, so why don't you tell us a little bit about From Fatherless to Fearless. What is it? Yes. So um, 
it's actually available for pre-order. Um, and so it's, it's an anthology. It's nine women sharing their stories of moving through being fatherless daughters to becoming fearless women. And um, it was a project that I signed on to. It, the opportunity came actually from, from my podcast, which was something um, that was a little, you know, amazing to me, like a little God, God-inspired uh, connection. Um, but what I loved about it was that it's not a story bashing our fathers. It's not about, oh, well, he did this to me, and so um, I can't move on from that. It's, it's not about them at all. They're kind of the secondary in the story. Um, yeah. It's about how it affected us, how, how being fatherless affected us, but how we moved on from that and what we're doing now. The important part of the story is not that we were fatherless, but it's that we took everything that fatherlessness gave us and we became fearless using that. So I am so, so excited about it. That sounds phenomenal. That sounds phenomenal, and I love how you how you just worded it like it wasn't about, you know, father bashing or any of that. It's about, okay, this happened, and this is the greatness that still came from it. Yes. So yes. I, I love that. I, I love that, and I, I kind of want to ask you questions about it, and I kind of <laughs> want to, you know, but I know the best way to get my questions answered is to read the book, and then I could come back and be like, okay, these are my questions. So, <laughs> so how can we pre-order it, and um, when do you know when it, when does it release? Uh, so you can pre-order it on my website. LaTerraWise.com, L-A-T-E-R-R-A-W-I-F-E.com. And it is due to be released um, mid to late March. So okay. it will be coming soon. So it will be soon. But pre-orders are going on right now. Um, and I'm just, it's, it's exciting. I'm excited because the people who have read it, the reviews that we're getting from it, even from people who are not fatherless daughters, it's changed the way that they look at other women and how they relate to other women. So even if fatherlessness is not your experience, you can still gain something from it. I, I agree. Um, one of the things that I've realized is that a lot of times we assume people can't learn from somebody else if their experience wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. But that is so far from from the truth there is something in in your journey to fearless latera that someone else can you know they'll they'll learn from it they could take notes and say okay i could be fearless too so i applaud you and the other women for a i love the title you know i love the title and just you know going going forward with writing something that it's easy to write a book where you're bashing somebody like that's easy yes you know but to but to say okay yeah so this happened it is what it is 
But guess what? Here my fearless self is. Take it. This is what it is. So I definitely applaud you queens. I'm guessing it's all queens, right? All women? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Just say queens (laughs) on it. And um, because that's like a whole other project because I do believe fatherlessness, um, just like motherlessness, affects people differently. I think it affects the oldest child and the youngest child differently. It affects Mm -hmm. male and females differently. Um, Yes. You know, even by your your age group and what kind of absence was there, because some people can have a father or mother in the home, and they're still yes. absent. Yes, and there is a so, there is a woman who has that story. Um, which really? is another great thing about the book: every single story is different. There are no two stories that are the same, and that's one of the other amazing things about it. Um, you know, you feel people tend to think, oh, okay, well, fatherless, you know, there's a blanket. Everybody has the same same right. story or similar stories, but every story is so different. There are some threads that, you know, are common because there are pains and things that we go through as a result that are common, but every everyone's story is so different. Mm. So that that's one of the things that I love. Well, I'm I'm definitely excited to get my hands on it, and I look forward to having you on the show after the release so, you know, I could ask a few questions. <laughs> definitely, definitely would love to come back, yes. <laughs> Yay. So just a quick question. Um, when you wrote the story, mm-hmm. did did your mind – do like a flashback thing. You know, sometimes how you write, you go back to that moment you're writing about. Was it an emotional experience for you? Um, it was um, somewhat, but I, I'm at a place where I can look back at it and, and not be attached to, to the emotions of the experience because I looked at, I stepped outside of our relationship, the relationship I had with my father, and I had to look at um, what factors contributed to him not being there on his side. You know, it's and, and that's something that we need to do in any relationship where there's conflict or any relationship um, where there's a lack of understanding. Step outside of the relationship and and look at the other person's point of view because you may learn some things that will change the way that you see them and you see the situation. So, you know, I was writing from a place of healing. (laughs) Yes. My writing came from that place of being healed from that because I look at it differently now. Hmm. I, I love that one, 150%, and I love that you said um, you took the emotion out the experience, mm-hmm. if I'm saying that correctly. So I do. Yes. You are truly wise, Miss Latera Wise. Oh, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I married I, the right man. <laughs> yes, look, it was a wise decision. <laughs> I would, I would so, I'm serious, if that was my last name, 
I mean, I would so just saturate the world with it. Everything I say, every sentence I ever said would have whys in it. Um, I'm just saying it's, yeah, God knew what he, I said uh, God knew what he was doing when he gave me the name he gave me, the first name Mm -hmm. he gave me, and he knew what he was doing when he didn't give me the ability to sing. Now, I could sing. Oh, my gosh. I could sing, but I can't (laughs) sing. I, and I said, if I knew how to sing, oh, it, Houston, the world we'd, we'd would be in problem. trouble. Oh, it yeah, would be over. Yes, they they come get me and lock me up because I wouldn't ever talk again. I would sing everything I said, Lord. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, Miss Latera, it has been oh my goodness, such a great experience having you on the show tonight. What would you like to leave the audience with before we, you know, call it a show? So the one thing that I always like to leave people with is I want you to know that no matter where you are in your life, no no matter what you may be in right now, no matter what you may be doing right now, you are worthy. You are worthy of the purpose that God placed in you. You are worthy of unconditional, deep, soul-stirring love. You are worthy of self-love. There is nothing in your past that will keep you from God's love, and that love makes you worthy. So just know that. Yay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and welcome to the Define You Radio family. We thank definitely you, look <laughs> we definitely look forward to having you back on after the book release so we could ask all the questions that all of us will have because all of us will order the book. Guys, yeah. kings and queens, you guys hear me? Okay. Tonight's quote comes from unknown. Y'all know I love my unknown quotes. Find out who you are and do it on purpose. What an awesome quote. Make sure you connect with our, with our guests and pre-order the fabulous book, From Fatherless to Fearless, at www.laterawise.com. That's L-A-T-E-R-R-A-W-I-S-E.com. Of course, the information will be posted on Define You Radio's Facebook page. You guys could go to the website. You will definitely be able to get this book. Show your love for our guests tonight and make sure you pre-order it. With that being said, pens and papers down, class is officially over. Until next time, remember your past doesn't define you. It gives you definition, and it's up to do up to you. Look, I can't even talk as the show closes out. It's up to you what you do with that. With that being said, you guys have a great night. Thanks for listening to Define You Radio. Make sure you connect with the show at www.defineuradio.com. Pens and papers down. Class dismissed. <laughs>